Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the One Nerd and One Jot College Football Talk podcast. As always, my name is RJ, and I am joined by a man who would never forget to stock the beer fridge on a college football game day. Mark, Mark, how you doing today? I'm doing great. You always have to have cold beer. It's a necessity when you're watching college football. Yeah, I um, I kind of forgot about that until I went to open up the the fridge this weekend and realized that I only had about three beers in the fridge. So that was uh, not exactly ideal, uh, but luckily I, I made it through. So All's yeah, well three beers might have lasted me like a half. I don't even know if that would have lasted me a game. Yeah, well, I ended up doing some yard work too, so it it ended up surviving. But if you know, next weekend, if I only have three beers, um, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. Because this, of course, we just finished up week zero, really exciting time, and of course, we've got week one, all the ranked teams coming out playing, got some really exciting matchups. But let's go ahead ahead and get into our opening kickoff and. Let's talk overreactions from week zero. My my number one takeaway from week zero, watch out for Vandy. They're coming for that SEC championship. They are, whew, they put a whooping on Hawaii, a team that we both thought was, was probably going to take it to them. But man, that Vandy team looked real good. They're coming for that SEC championship. Is that a fair or is that a little bit of an overreaction? Definitely overreaction, but I actually had one very similar. Uh, I took it more as the SEC really is that good. Vandy's been at the bottom of the SEC for a while, so uh, when they can come out and show out, it kind of makes me and everybody else who says SEC football is just a little bit above everybody else. It kind of makes us right. Well, I suppose that is one way of looking at it. One thing that I kind of forgot was that Vandy's new, uh, head coach, who's going into his second year there, was Notre Dame's old defensive coordinator. So I guess I maybe should have been a little bit higher up on him, but oh well, so be it. Uh, You know, I think that he and that whole team showed us what Vandy might be all about this year. Or Hawaii just kind of forgot they were playing football. One way or another. Yeah, definitely probably the the, the latter. I think Hawaii's (laughs) going to struggle a little bit more than we both thought. I think it's going to take a little bit more time for uh, that ex-quarterback of theirs to get his own culture established and, you know, restore some glory to the Rambo Warriors. But my other uh, big overreaction from this weekend is we might see our first coach get fired, and it may be happening way sooner than anybody thought. Scott Frost's seat is real hot right now. I'm not actually sure that Scott Frost has a seat. I think it might just be a uh, wood-burning stove at this point, because holy cow, that thing has got to be hot. Uh, I, I there, there were some people saying that he might have to pay for his own ride back home from Dublin, because boy, that game did not go well for, for Nebraska. And in fairness, it went really well for the first part, but not so well the second part. Which and has I, been his M.O. I mean, yeah. ever ever since he's been there, he'll he'll play well for two quarters, three quarters. He'll get the team going for uh, short stints, but can never close games out, can never win the games that he's supposed to win. And this was just a, a showcase of that. I mean, had the quarterback looking really good in the first half. So highly, highly thought that they were going to win that game, especially even watching the first half. But found a way to kind of choke it out. 
So for that, man, I, I'm wondering maybe week three, maybe week four, another embarrassing loss, something like that. The OC, the, the OC might find himself as the head coach a little bit sooner than anybody expected. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's that's not a position that I envy anyone in right now. Yeah, I I wonder. I, I do think that he might find himself winning the sack race here, especially since uh, they've got this week they've got North Dakota, next week they've got Georgia Southern, and the week after that they've got Oklahoma at home. If that doesn't go well, they've got a bye week before they face Indiana at home. I think maybe after that Oklahoma game, if things aren't going well, we uh, we might see a new head coach there, unfortunately, for uh, Scott Frost in Nebraska. But so be it. That's the way the world works, I suppose. I think that actually t- brings us to a uh, nicely into our recap of Week Zero. I would say arguably one of the better games, maybe even the best game of the weekend, was that Northwestern-Nebraska game. Hands down. Yeah, so obviously finishing up as a real tight game. Finished up at 31-28 Northwestern. Nebraska getting uh, out to a 28-17 lead, I believe. And then, well, obviously just not quite closing the door. So what, what are your thoughts on this one? What are your takeaways on this one? I think uh, Caleb Thompson showed some flashes of brilliance. I thought he looked really good in the quarterback position. Um, first touchdown pass he threw was a dime. I definitely thought uh, they were firing on all cylinders, and that's what had me pretty excited for Nebraska. And I thought for sure they were going to coast to a good win there. And uh, just the wheels fell off, and uh, I think Caleb was unable to be consistent. And the same thing with the coaching staff. I don't know if there's just some battle between – Mark Whipple's offense that he was trying to bring over with from Pitt and then trying to meld it a little bit with Scott Frost. I don't know if there's some conflict there, if Scott Frost doesn't necessarily want to give up all the reins and is trying to kind of pull in some of his stuff with the old Pitt offense. But I don't know. At at parts, you're like, man, this team is really, really firing on all cylinders. And then other times you're like, what in the world is going on? Okay, it's definitely week zero. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good description for it. Obviously, uh, Casey Thompson and the, the offense looked really good to start off the game. Then Northwestern kind of fought their way back. And honestly, this was a, just a really good back and forth game. You know, kind of showed why we love college football, because you never know when some kind of random game that you might not expect to be that good might turn out to be a really good highlight of the week type game. Yeah, three turnovers just kills you too. Nebraska had three turnovers, and then you can't give up 214 yards on the ground either. So Northwestern definitely played the slow, steady, grind-out game, and that's ultimately what got the job done. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a real good summary of it. Any other games that you want to highlight from this weekend? I know... You know, we we both thought really highly of that Vanderbilt Hawaii game. We thought that was going to be close. Obviously, Vanderbilt sixty three to ten won that one. We thought that Illinois Wyoming game might be good. Uh, ended up being thirty eight to six Illinois. We were not expecting UConn versus Utah State to be that good of a game, but UConn jumping out to a fourteen nothing lead early on in that game ends up losing at thirty one twenty. 
uh, on the, the strength of a 24-point second quarter by Utah State. But are, are there any other takeaways, thoughts that you want to highlight from or uh, games that you want to highlight from this past weekend? No, nah, I mean, the big thing is, you know, it is week zero for us too. So, um, you know, us going 0 for 2 on our upset watch, not not our best work. The overs went the overs went three for seven and you know i did hammer most overs so i uh, didn't do so hot there either but hey it's week zero for us and i think hopefully we start we start getting a little bit hot too and then also just as a caveat you know we're not telling anybody how to bet or anything like that we're not handicapping games we're, we're literally just thinking how we want how we want the game to go and where we think the game may go so if you are listening to the show for true up and up betting device probably not the best uh, idea but uh, if you like some of the information and you want to go with us or go against us feel free to do so just do so responsibly um, obviously betting's betting so if you're going to gamble make sure you gamble smart yep yeah absolutely uh, with that said if you uh, bet with us last week on our three picks of the week we picked uh, Nebraska Northwestern to go over that one did hit Wyoming uh, plus, uh, I don't remember exactly what they finished on. Yeah, 11 and Hawaii Moneyline, not so hot. So maybe this week you want to go against us. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get a little bit better this week. But definitely, as you said, week zero for us too. So let's, uh, let's look forward, I suppose, to week one. And... uh, you know, we, we do have our very first uh, top 25 teams. Actually, most of the top 25, I think, in fact, all of them are playing this week. So let's let's start off with the first uh, ranked team of the, the year playing, which I've got as West Virginia at number 17, Pittsburgh, 7 o'clock on ESPN on Thursday, September 1st. And uh, let's let's go ahead and dig into the stats just a little bit on this one. So FPI has Pittsburgh as a 78.1 chance to win this. Vegas has Pittsburgh as a minus seven and a half uh, favorite. Over under is 52. Mark, where where do you want to start at on this game? It's just so weird because I this is one that I feel like I'm on the opposite side, and I don't. I can't really tell myself why, but I kind of like West Virginia, and I mean, I think I'm I think I'm leaning more towards taking the points, obviously, um, so they can cover. But I like J T. Daniels coming in from Georgia. I think he's going to be able to have an impact. I think he hasn't really found his home, so I'm hoping this is his spot. I mean, I'm pretty sure he transferred from USC to Georgia, then now to West Virginia. So I'm hoping he finds his home. And I think he can play football. That's the thing. I think he can settle in. I think he can impact this team right away. They've always had some defensive pieces. So I think defensively they'll play a pretty good game. And I think the offensive coordinator and uh, JT Daniels can hopefully get a good package together. And West Virginia can kind of restore some of that uh, football uh, prowler that they used to have. I I agree with you on JT Daniels coming in being a big thing. The, the one thing that I will say is, obviously, they lost their starting quarterback from last year. Not surprising when you bring in a transfer in JT Daniels, but they also lost their leading rusher from last year. So I think that that could be a little bit um, of a downside to them, but I do think that JT Daniels makes up for it. 
you know, less at, for his career, he has a better quarterback rating than their quarterback last year. He's about as accurate. And his touchdown to interception ratio is a little bit better, about two to one as compared to uh, last year, about, uh, I would say, a little bit worse than, than two to one. So I do think that he is definitely an upgrade there. That said, Pittsburgh, we asked what they were going to do about replacing uh, Kenny Pickett. Well, they went out and in the transfer portal got the USC transfer uh, Keaton Slovis, who was USC starter last year, obviously didn't put up as good of numbers as Kenny Pickett. I don't think anyone is expecting him to necessarily be the next Kenny Pickett. However, if he serves as a suitable backup for him, or not even backup, but a, a, an even average or maybe above average replacement, I still think that Pittsburgh is in a pretty good shape, obviously having the third best scoring offense last year. And they do have their... Last year they used a lot of running back by committee, and they've got a lot of running backs coming back this year. So I do think that they have at least some of that offense, those offensive pieces coming back. I actually do like Pitt in this one. Uh, for all the reasons that I said, I, I think that, you know, those those offensive pieces coming back. You did lose Mark Whipple, though. Does that concern That's you? my concern. Yes, that's, that's concern? a huge concern to me. Yeah, because, I mean, in college, in college athletics, in college football, you need that drill sergeant telling you what to do, right? You don't have – you're not the top of the top like you are in the NFL where everybody can go do their job and you can learn your job and you can ad-lib as you need to and you can come together and gel as a unit. In college, you don't really have that. I mean, you have to be told what to do, and that's what the offensive coordinator is doing. So I think without having that part of the mastermind that Mark Whipple provided them, and then you also take out Kenny Pickett who – I mean, look at him in the preseason. That dude's a stud. So how much of that team, how much of that high-powered offense was truly because of Mark Whipple and Kenny Pickett? You subtract that, and they have an average offense, an average defense. Isn't, isn't it going to be basically the same game? So then it's, who am I going to pick? Am I going to pick JT Daniels, or am I going to pick Slovis? I'm picking JT Daniels. So, I mean, that's where I think... Taking the points, obviously, to make it a little bit safer. That way I can uh, you know, pad that thought a little bit. But to me, it boils down to JT Daniels or Slovis. And I think it's going to go JT Daniels. Now, obviously, there's tons of other pieces that have to go. But I'm just really worried that uh, the OC and Pickett had way, way more um, to do with the success from Pitt than anybody else. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable concern. It's not enough to scare me away, so I'm sticking with Pitt. It sounds like you're leaning West Virginia. Is that who you're going to pick outright? No, I mean, I'm still I'm still wishy-washy on it. Um, so I haven't, I haven't fully committed either way. I'm kind of leaning uh, West Virginia uh, plus the points, and then I'm really kind of leaning West Virginia money line as well. If I had to pick one just for, just for our personal records of, you know, who can guess the most games right. I probably would take a take a limb and go out for West Virginia. Okay, okay. So West Virginia, Pitt. You've got West Virginia. I've got Pittsburgh. Oh, that is the one thing that we forgot from last week. We had that uh, 
nice to discussion about that North Texas versus UTEP game. And uh, I believe that I've got a nice six-pack coming my way eventually uh, once once all things are settled up and done because North Texas did win that game. But that's that week. Let's continue talking about this week with our second game that I think we really want to highlight. Again, from Thursday, this one is... Well, our first game featured a ranked team. This one, just some classic Big Ten football. We've got Penn State University at Purdue. Let's go ahead and dive into the stats on this one. A little bit more even of a game here uh, by FPI. Penn State is the favorite. Vegas has them as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And uh, I'll be honest, I, I think that this game comes down to one person and one person only. And if they have a good game, it's going to go one way. If they go or if they don't have a good game, it's going to go against their team. Is that what you see? And, uh, you know, can you guess who I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we watched this all last season and I think it's Aiden O'Connell. Yep, Absolutely. I have I, ha I have a stat for you here. In their win at Iowa, win home versus Michigan State, and their bowl game win versus Tennessee, he threw for 375, 536, and 534 yards. That, to me, says when he has a good game, Purdue is capable of beating just about anybody in the country. And what does it also tell you? He likes big games, and oh, he likes yeah. big games at home. Oh, yeah. What are we what are we having right here? This is a pretty big game, week one. Put up or shut up, and it's at home. Oh yeah, that's uh I, I think all of that said is is the reason why I'm leaning Purdue here. That said, Penn State last year was one of the top ten scoring defenses in the country. Does that make you worried that maybe just maybe they come out with some things that might surprise O'Connell? No, not really, because I think uh, they did uh, sustain some losses in the linebacker core and I think in the cornerbacks. So when you kind of lose in the back end um, going against Aiden O'Connell, I think that's where his specialty is going to go anyway. So I think as long as the offensive line can hold up and give him the time to play a shootout game, I think Purdue probably wins this. I mean, he was 11 in, or 11th in passing yards last season with over three uh, 3,700. Yep. And he was, uh, I think he f it was fifth total uh, yeah, total Q QBR had him fifth place last season as well. Yeah. So, I mean, ov overall, I think the kid's a stud. And I think he's got another year to age, another year in the offense, another year for him to control the ball and play a little bit of a less dangerous game, which will lead to less turnovers, which I think is how Purdue wins this game. I think if it's a shootout with low turnovers, Purdue wins. If it's a game management, a very slow-paced game, I think Penn State probably wins. I think they're built better for that style with Sean Clifford. I think Clifford will take care of the ball. He won't necessarily ooh and ah or have the big flashy plays. He may have like one or two deep shots, but I don't think he's also going to give the ball over. So I think if it's really slow and it's really controlled, I think that kind of favors Penn State. But if it ends up turning into a shootout, I got Aiden O'Connell in that any day of the week. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think... What we're going to see is kind of a clash of styles here in that Penn State's going to try and slow it down, control the game. Remember, this game, 8 o'clock Thursday, the kind of the primetime game on Fox, Big Fox, Homer Simpson Fox. 
Uh, so to me, that right there says that this has big game written all over it to start. And because of that, I've got Purdue because I think Aiden O'Connell is just going to come out and just show up and, uh, you know, maybe maybe put his stamp early on on this season and maybe project him up into the discussion of quarterbacks that might be going first round or even in that uh, discussion of best quarterbacks in the country. Couldn't agree more. I also think this is kind of a safer over bet, too. Um, obviously, you know, I like to play overs, but Purdue uh, scored 29 points per game last year. So as long as they do keep it close, you know, Vegas thinks it's going to be a three point game. As long as they keep it in that and produce around that 30, that puts you at 60. So at a, a total of 54 and a half, I think this is a pretty safe over. And I'm pretty confident about that as well. So, I mean, I I like the over in this game. I'm, I'm expecting it to be somewhere in like the 34s, the 31, you know, somewhere in that. I think the spread's going to be pretty good. And I think it'll be in the 30s. Okay, okay. So are you also picking Purdue then? Yep, I got a I got a ride with Aiden. I mean, <laughs> a big okay. game week week one. It's a home game. I think I think they're gonna turn it into a shootout. I think this game's gonna end up being a shootout. I don't think they're gonna be able to play the slow game because I think he's gonna hit a couple shots. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think that he's gonna go out there, hit a couple shots, hit a couple big home runs. Might feel kind of like a uh, big heavyweight boxing match and that, you know, he's going out there swinging for the fences from, you know, snap one. And there we go. Penn state's going to have to play some catch up, which I don't think is going to play into their game. So that was the second game that we have on our docket for the week. Uh, and the second one on Thursday, let's talk about one more game on Friday. We're going to stay in the big 10 for this one with the eight o'clock FS1 kickoff, Illinois at Indiana. And uh, when you said that you wanted to highlight this one, I was a little bit, um, I'll say I was a little bit skeptical. I'll put it that way. Go ahead and tell me what you see in this uh, in this game, though. I see two uh, Big Ten teams that are trying to find an identity. You know, IU struggled with some injuries over the last couple of years when they were supposed to be really good and had a lot of talent. And Illinois has been trying to find an identity, trying to find an offense. So I see two teams that are trying to figure out who they are. And then I also look at they're very evenly matched, which should allow for good football. And that's really what I'm all about. All these week one games. I mean, when you start getting these teams that are playing FCS teams and the spreads 30 and 40 and like, yeah, who wants to watch that? Like it doesn't, it doesn't turn me on at all, but when we start looking at these teams that are coin flip games and all these experts are like, I mean, IU could win, Illinois could win. Nobody has any idea what's going on. That means it's probably going to be a good football game. You know, if you look at the Nebraska Northwestern, there was a lot of things going both ways. I'm hoping that uh, it'll be a good football game, um, regardless of really who wins or anything like that. I just want to see a good football game. So that's why I wanted to highlight this one. Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. And IU does have some tests on their uh, on their schedule. They face Western Kentucky at home here in a couple weeks, and then they also go to Cincinnati here in a couple weeks. So it wouldn't be bad to see kind of what they have leading into it, see if they're closer to that team that was threatening to win the Big Ten East a couple years ago with uh, Mike Penix 
Jr., who of course is no longer on this team. He's uh, up in Pac-12 country, or uh, not Pac-12 country. Yeah, Pac-12 country. Wow, I don't know how I um, got that mixed up. But he's up th there at Washington now. He's a Husky. So I think that'll be interesting to see kind of where they end up going with quarterback here, what they end up doing, and really how that translates on the field. You know, will we see the team that is dynamic and scoring, or will we see the team that we saw last year, which had a mediocre offense at best? and is going to be at the very bottom of the the Big Ten because, in all honesty, they're a basketball school. I think I am leaning towards Illinois in this one. We saw them look, I think, pretty good against Wyoming. Uh, obviously, I think that maybe Wyoming flattered them a little bit there, but at the end of the day, I think they look decent, and I'm just really not sure what to make of Indiana. So what, what are your thoughts on, on who's going to win this one? Or is this just one that you're going to sit back, watch, and enjoy? No, I definitely I definitely uh, can see me picking a side here, mostly because I think Illinois is not getting much love. And for, for that, it makes it kind of intriguing for me, especially when you think of Illinois played in week zero. So, I mean, they, are, they already have a game underneath their belt. They're going to have game tape that they can watch and that they can – learn from and use in this week one game. So I think that's huge. They also found a really good run game. I mean, Chris Brown, 151 uh, plus yards on the ground in this last game. That's going to transfer over. So as long as they can control the line of scrimmage and play strong defense. Actually, I'm just like you. I like Illinois a little bit more than I like IU, who's got to answer a lot of questions. You know, Who are we going to have at quarterback? What's going to be our new identity? Too many questions for me. So it makes me nervous because this is like my third or fourth uh, time picking against the favorite, but I, I, I think I'm definitely going towards Illinois. I'll probably take the points because it is Big Ten football, so it'll probably be a little bit of a slower-paced game. Field goal may actually come into play. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So that takes us through the week before Saturday uh, games. Are there any other games that you want to highlight in that kind of early pre-Saturday window or, well, that we'll see later on this week? Uh, I mean, there there's a couple other matchups. You have Central Michigan versus uh, Oklahoma State, so it'd be your first opportunity to kind of check out Oklahoma State. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a crazy good game or anything like that, but if you're interested in kind of checking out uh, the Big 12 and seeing what they have to offer, maybe a good avenue for that. And then Western Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah, something else to note in that Central Michigan game. Last year, the leading rusher in all of college football uh, this this is a little trivia uh, for you, was not Kenneth Walker III, who actually finished second. It was Lou Nichols III from Central Michigan. Uh, he is returning to them this year, so I, uh, I, I look for at least a little bit of an interesting matchup between a really good running back and one of the top defenses in college football last year. But So that one intrigues me a little bit. I think it'll be at least interesting to watch for a quarter to probably not quite as good as some of the other games that we're, that we're likely to see that day. And then, yeah, obviously the top 15 uh, team, Michigan State versus Western Michigan, a little in-state rivalry there, I think is, uh, you know, it will be interesting to watch at least. But I don't necessarily have a whole lot of notes on that one, just other than it's a good opportunity to see a potential Big Ten uh, threat. Yeah. And when in doubt, I mean, if you can, and you, you have a spare TV going, just scoreboard watch. 
anything that's close in the third or fourth quarter, flip it on. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about college football. There's normally three, four, five games going on. So that's going to be the case for Thursday and Friday. So don't just stick to the list. Check out the scores and flip over as you need. I'm sure there's going to be some good games. Yeah, absolutely. So that takes us through our uh, games before Saturday. So let's talk about our Saturday game, starting with the, I guess, the 12 o'clock, the early window. And uh, I'll, I'll give you the option. Where do you want to start here? I mean, I would say let's just start with the, probably the, the least enticing game, the one that I'm probably going to have on just for the start. Watch a little bit of it, see what they're going to be, see what they're not going to be, because I probably have the most question marks about this team. And that's going to be the Colorado State versus Michigan. I mean, I don't think Michigan's going to have any problems at all, but I do have a lot of question marks about Michigan. You know, can they repeat how much of it was on having a a really good edge rusher? Can uh, McNamara actually come back stronger as a quarterback? You know, can that offense take the next step to see if they can maybe compete in that Big Ten? Yeah, I think um, this probably won't be much of a game which feels like a famous last words, but just looking at the, you know, the how they finished last year, Colorado State, not really much of a team to fight with. Michigan, obviously a very good team. I'm right there with you. I, I want to see what Michigan has as an encore to last year. Was that almost fluky type thing where, you know, maybe Ohio State had a little bit of a down year, relatively speaking. Michigan was just able to kind of step up, fill that kind of caught lightning in a bottle, or have we seen Jim Harbaugh finally get it right? Have we seen him start to take that team to the next step and back to what Michigan football can be and and to a certain extent where it should be in the college football hierarchy? So that's kind of what I have my eye on Um the, the spread on this one, if, for, if you want to bet on that one, is 30.5 in favor of Michigan, over under 62 points. Uh, money line, I, you know, Michigan is minus 7,000. So I don't think there's anyone uh, that's going to be betting a whole lot on that. No, it's just, it's just not enough. Not enough either way. Because like we saw with UConn, everybody was making fun of UConn. Like, oh, they're going to get blown out by 60. And then, I mean, they ended up playing decent. Whenever there's these huge spreads early in the season, you're not really going to get style points or anything like that. So you just wonder, you know, how much of, how much are they going to run the score up? Are they really going to put up 60 points? Are they going to put up 40 points, 50 points? And when you're already giving them 30, man, that just makes it so tough. I'm, I'm staying away from that one for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking Michigan in this game, obviously. You you taking them too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if just for shits and giggles. So let's move on to a game that, well, I certainly, I don't know if it'll necessarily be a closer game, but I am anticipating it being probably a little bit better game in the NC State versus East Carolina. Little bit of a rivalry there, I think, and really going to be our first chance to check out how the ACC's other teams are, which is a theme that I think we're going to talk about with our third game as well. But let's focus on this NC State ECU game. Obviously, at ECU makes this a little bit more tricky than I think it would typically be for the Wolfpack. Uh, Favored by 11.5, over under 55. 
FPI has them as a 74.8% chance of winning, which feels low to me, but maybe that's just me underestimating ECU. What are your thoughts on it? I think the fact that it's at ECU makes it a little bit scary. I mean, they've beat some they've beat some really good teams uh, at ECU, and I mean, even more recently, they took South Carolina down to a one possession game. Cincinnati, when they were uh, a pretty good squad, down to one possession game. So, I mean, they can typically play well, especially at home. I think they really feed off their home environment. So I think that's what makes it a little bit scary, and ECU is probably getting some respect there. Or NC State's also just probably not getting as much love as I think they deserve which is actually kind of what makes it, I think, good on our end because I think NC State's probably going to cover um, the 11 points, mostly because I think they're going to be – they have a chance, I think, to be the darling for college football this year. With the quarterback play that they have in Devin Leary, who's coming back, and I mean, he's just a stud. Everybody's talking about him being kind of that quarterback that has a chance to, to climb up the draft boards, so – when you have a quarterback like that and you have a team that could come out of the ACC with realistically maybe one or two other teams that are even in the top, I think you're going to see them kind of come out week one, want to show it, want to show the world what they have. So I really, I really kind of like NC State in this game. I like the, I like the points as well. I'll lay those. And I actually like the over as well. So I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. I think NC State wins this game. And, and like you said, just the quarterback play for them, I think, is going to be key for them. And I think this will be a chance for Leary to really cement himself as the top quarterback in the ACC. Obviously, we've already talked about one quarterback coming in. Yeah, and Slovis coming into Pitt. Obviously, we know what's going on with uh, DJ and, and co. at Clemson. So... I think that this will be kind of a, a nice show up game, show them, you know, what the ACC is going to be all about. And if the ACC is going to get a bid in the college football playoff this year, I think NC State has to win some tougher games, not necessarily saying ECU is going to be at the top of their resume, but I definitely think that this is a, a good chance for them to show up and play well. And I think, again, winning by that, you know, winning by 12 or maybe even, you know, two full touchdowns could be a um, big boost to that. So I, I agree with you. I like the points there too. So do you have anything else on this game or do you want to talk about one more ACC matchup in this very f- first? Yeah, so let's go ahead and move into the, the other game. I think we've said all we need to. I mean, watch out for Devin Leary. Watch him sling the ball all over the place. And just, I don't know, really tune in on more the, the the quarterback play in a whole, not just him yardage-wise or anything else. I mean, he takes care of the ball. He's going to have a quick release. He's going to spread the ball out. So I'm really excited to watch him play. And speaking of quarterbacks that we find interesting to watch and uh, happen to play in a school in North Carolina, let's talk about UNC quarterback Drake May, I I blanked on his first name there for just half a second. But yeah, so Drake May obviously getting his first collegiate start last week for North Carolina. This week, North Carolina goes to Appalachian State. And uh, boy, this game, a little bit tighter than I was expecting, I think, off the bat. North Carolina, 54.6% favorite, according to FPI. The spread 
is minus one to North Carolina over under 56 money line. It's a coin flip, which is kind of exactly what I expect from this game. If you think or if I think about it more, because this is exactly the type of game that I think the North Carolina needs to come in and win to help solidify the ACC in their overall resume so that when Clemson or NC State or who knows, even maybe Notre Dame is sitting there saying, yeah, we beat all of these different ACC teams. North Carolina can sit there and be a quality win. So I actually think this is one of the most important games playoff picture-wise for the this uh, this week. But I don't think that it involves a single playoff team here. That's a, a, an awfully long way of saying that I think that North Carolina kind of needs to win this game. I think they should win this game, but... What are where are you leaning on this one, and do you think that that's the that I'm putting too much emphasis on? No, I think it's a good uh, amount of emphasis. I mean, you're right. The ACC has been losing clout every year, so you know if they lose to App State, that loses a little bit more respect, and and definitely is going to look bad coming the end of the season. You know, is that is that going to be anywhere close to a quality win if they end up losing to App State? I don't think they do, though. Um, you know, Drake Meir, he did put up 294 yards, five touchdowns in the the Week Zero game. So again, lower level team, but still, I mean, you, you still gotta you still gotta throw the ball. People still gotta catch the ball. I'm okay with that. I think that's a pretty good performance. I also think App State's a little bit weak on defense. They lost five out of their uh, seven leading tacklers. So anytime you lose that kind of uh, production on the defensive side of the ball, I think it's going to take some time to fill those gaps in. I don't think a week one game is when you're going to find those guys on defense that are going to make up that kind of production. So I think UNC has that. The one thing that does make me scared is the fact that it is at App State. At App State, it is a freshman quarterback in his first road start. It It's not like Appalachian State is some, you know, easy you know, kind of, kind of roll over opponent either. I agree with you. It is, it is a dangerous game for UNC. It's not necessarily uh, some cupcake like we might see some other teams play. That said, I do think I still like UNC. I am going to go ahead and mark them down as my pick for this one. Where are you going though? Do you, do, do you agree with that? Or do you think that Appalachian State, so App State went to Chapel Hill and beat them not too long ago? I don't think they do it again, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got UNC. I don't think App State's going to beat them. Okay. You, you don't think that they get the surprise on them? No, because I, 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 I think everybody knows that like these two programs are a lot more equal than, than, than everybody thinks from the outside. So I think Mac Brown's going to be a hell of a game plan. I mean, he's not going to sleep on this team, so... I'm going to ride with Mac Brown. I'm going to ride with uh, Drake, and let's uh, let's go Chapel Hill. All right, all right. So I think that takes us through our top three games of the uh, early window. Obviously, the other big game there being number six, Texas A&M, uh, versus Sam Houston State at Kyle Field in College Station. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this one other than you know, this is this is a scrimmage for Texas A&M. That's all I really got on that. If you want to tune in to see the sixth-ranked Aggies, maybe see if some of those uh, young prospects are going to start hitting early. Don't know how well you'll be able to tell against a uh, weaker opponent, but 
that's uh, another option for you. Any other games that you want to highlight in this early window? Or are you ready to move on to, well, the window and game that I'm sure that you are absolutely itching to talk about? <laughs> yeah, before we get to that, um, another one that you may want to flip onto the TV screen as Michigan starts beating the crap out of Colorado State would be Rutgers versus Boston College. I think those teams are pretty equally uh, matched up, so I think that might be a fun game to watch. You also have San Diego State versus Iowa if you want to get a sneak peek at how Iowa's going to look this year. Yeah, I think that's some some good insight there, some good calls, that Northeastern matchup between uh, between Boston College and Rutgers I think could be interesting. Or, you know, we could see a little bit of a blowout one way or the other, but both teams I think looking for a little bit of a bounce back. But now that we're through that, let's go ahead and jump into our afternoon window, starting with the 3.30 game on ABC, one of the, what I would say is two marquee matchups in, in, in this week, but also one of the two ranked versus ranked matchups in this window. Let's talk about your Ducks going not quite to Georgia, but pretty much to Georgia. And uh, what I'm going to let you go ahead and kick us off with your thoughts on this one, because I suspect you have a lot of thoughts on this one. I mean, I have I have a few. I think Oregon stands to lose nothing in this game, which is really nice. I think if Oregon comes out and they lose by 24, everybody kind of expects it. So it's not going to be a huge thing, which I think also kind of puts a chip on their shoulder that, hey, we can go out and play free. We can go play fast. And that's when Oregon normally plays the best football. You know, if we go back to like the Ohio State game last year, nobody nobody thought Oregon was actually going to go into the shoe and win that game. So I'm hoping that same Ducks uh, mantra shows up. And I think if anything, Oregon did nothing but get better. The biggest question marks, I think, for Oregon last year was defense. Utah exploited that, obviously. And then our quarterback play was so inconsistent. And even when it was good, it wasn't great. So I think... Both of those things got better. Bo Nix, I think, is going to be a better quarterback option. And Dan Lanning's supposed to be a defensive mastermind. So both of those players, or I guess the coach and the player, have an opportunity to show what they can bring to the table. And I think that's where it's going to matter. And uh, something else, just to factor in here, Dan Lanning, what was his previous job? Can you remind me what that was? D coordinator for Georgia. Huh. So you're telling me that Georgia, on top of losing a lot of depth on the defensive side, which was one of the, well, not one of, it was the best defense in college football last year. They also lost their coordinator. So could we be seeing a little bit of almost like a a pit situation where they lost their quarterback and offensive coordinator, whereas Georgia lost a lot on defense in their D coordinator? Boy, that sounds yeah, I, I definitely like a... think it's I definitely think it's similar. I definitely think it's similar. The only thing that I think it's a little bit different is like the the defense, even though they lost some numbers, I think they're gonna be able to plug in place a little bit better than Kenny Pickett. Like that to me, like a, a quarterback of that caliber is a lot harder to replace than pieces on a defense. Um and I think you can kind of you can kind of provide stop gaps along the way or you can adjust different coverage to help strengths, but you can't really hide a, a quarterback that's 18 levels below the previous quarterback. So I think it's a little bit different, but I definitely I definitely see that's where the door is open. I definitely see the door being open a little bit more than 
um, I did originally. So hopefully Georgia did lose a, did lose enough and Oregon can find a way to sneak and win this game. I mean, I would not be opposed. All right. So, so I guess that brings up the big question. So Mark, I see you've got your, your Oregon, not sure if that's a shirt or a pullover or what it is exactly, but you're wearing your Oregon gear. So I got to ask Oregon or Georgia, who, who you got in this one? I'm going with Georgia. I think, I think Oregon finds a way to cover. I, it might be a late cover, uh, but I think they find a way to cover. Uh, but I, I definitely have Georgia winning this. I, I don't know. I just They are returning their quarterback. They're returning a good offensive line, so the battery is in place, and I'm still high on Georgia. So I think it would be um, you know, kind, of, kind of an oxymoron if I ranked Georgia number one and I'd let my fandom get in the way and say Oregon, who I had ranked barely in the top ten, is going to beat them. So, I mean, i got to be honest. i got to be true. I think the Ducks find a way to cover maybe late, but I think Georgia wins. Yeah, I I agree with that 100%. Unfortunately, even though I do think that Georgia isn't quite as good as they were last year, I still think that they're just that next level up from Oregon. And that's not a knock on Oregon. That's just the reality of college fo- football. And I think that that same theme is going to come up a little bit later in a game that we're going to talk about in the primetime window. But do you have anything else to add on this game, or are you ready to get on to... Another game that I, uh, I'm i going to take a spe- special interest in that is also a ranked versus ranked matchup. Go Ducks. <laughs> Go Ducks. You, he- you heard it here, folks. So with that said, that was the 3.30 game on ABC. Let's switch over to the 3.30 game on ESPN. This one is between number 23 Cincinnati heading to number 19 Arkansas. And uh, I'll be honest, I, I I think Cincinnati has a good coach. I think that they were a really good team last year. That said, I do not know what to expect from them this year because they lost so much. They lost starting quarterback, starting running back, starting wide receiver, starting cor- cornerback, starting, you know, defensive linemen, you know, multiple NFL draft picks here. And it it feels to me like it would be so hard to replace those pieces that I I really find it difficult to think that Cincinnati, do I think that they are still going to be an above average team? Yes. Do I think they might even be a good team? Will challenge for the American Conference crown? Yes. Do I think that they're a top 25 team? I don't know. And, and I'm not sure that I think that Arkansas is necessarily a top 25 team either. And now I've just made both my niece who went to Arkansas and my wife who went to Cincinnati mad. So, uh, you know, hopefully neither of them listen to this episode. But I, I have a real hard time picking this game because I'm not convinced Arkansas is as good as people are giving them credit for. But I'm not sure that Cincinnati is quite at the level that uh, they were last year, and, and I think that they have a lot of turnover to replace. That's a lot of talking from me. So I, I want to hear your insights on these two teams because obviously I've got a real close connection to both of them. I uh, probably don't see them through the best lenses. I think this one's fairly easy. I think uh, we talked about it last year with Cincinnati. It's a depth issue when you start getting into these lower conferences and these lower universities. They're not going to be able to have the 
four, five-star, three-star recruits that are just waiting on deck. So it's going to be harder for them to plug in place. So, I mean, when they lose a lot of talent, I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to plug with that same caliber talent. So I think that's going to just create a, a pretty sizable gap. And I don't think Cincinnati is going to be at that same caliber. I agree with what you said, though. I, I think they're still going to be good. I just think they're going to go back to being good for their conference and back for schools of their size and their caliber, not necessarily competing at the, the national level or trying to take on Notre Dame. Like, I just I don't think they're going to be at that level yet. Plus, then I think I'm actually on the other end. I think Arkansas is as good as people are, are, are saying. I'm pretty high on Arkansas. I think any time that you can, you can take a quarterback that – you know, it reminds me a lot of Cam Newton when he was in college who can throw darts and run the ball all over the place. You combine that with a rushing attack that led the SEC last year. Oh, man, uh, I'm pretty high on Arkansas. I think they're going to rattle some cages this year. I think they're still a little bit uh, far away from maybe, you know, championship level or anything like that. But as far as beating up on some of these other teams, I definitely think we're going to see that out of Arkansas this year. K.J. Jefferson uh, and that leading rushing attack is going to be an offensive mess um, for most teams to try to, to, to cover. I mean, how do you cover a quarterback that can run, you know, two running backs that can run, and then, oh, by the way, this quarterback can also throw a 50-yard route? No problems. So I think that's just going to be way too much for them. The other thing is, too, what you don't normally see out of quarterbacks like this, he threw for over 2,500 yards, four INTs. So, I mean, he's also taking care of the ball. I mean, four picks out of an entire college season. You have some quarterbacks who throw two picks in a game easy. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the other impressive thing. Yeah, and, and Cincinnati just took such a hit with people. I mean, you look at the people that got drafted off of the Cincinnati team. They lost so much talent. I'm with you. I think it's just too hard for them to replace all that, especially this early on in the season. It's the first time since 2018 that a quarterback other than Desmond Ritter is going to be starting for them. I got to go with Arkansas here. As, as much as um, I don't necessarily love that pick, I just I think that it's too much for Cincinnati to overcome this early in the season. So I'm with you on Arkansas. You said that you have Arkansas as well. I think that makes sense. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, let's let's talk about our last intriguing game of the afternoon window and we're going to stick in the American this time with number 24 Houston going to UTSA obviously UTSA having a big game last year at, or uh, not necessarily a big game but a relatively big year last year as a um I'd say kind of a darling team towards the end of the year and uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Where are you leaning on this one? Clayton Toon. Nuff said. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, that's, I, I do think that this Houston team is really good, surrounded by him. I actually think that they're the favorite to win the American over Cincinnati. I think I, I said that in uh, our preseason predictions and previews. So I, I'm with you. I think Houston probably going to come out and we're going to see another quarterback who we're expecting big things from this year and might work his way up the the draft ladder like we saw Malik Willis last year and uh yeah I, I'm kind of with you I think that's enough said so 
Does that mean that you're riding with Houston here? Yeah, I'm riding with Houston. This is another one where I really like the over. Um, they did go over. Houston did. They ended up going over seven times last season. Uh, oh, sorry, over 40 points. So uh, Houston ended up going over 40 points seven times last year. So anytime somebody's going to be right around that 40, 40 point mark uh, consistently, I really like that over. Even even though it's it's a it's a higher over, let's let's hope uh, UTSA can score some too. But I, I'm thinking Clayton Toon's going to try to to come out swinging in week one. So I like the over. Yeah, I and I mean UTSA is definitely a team that can put up some points too. You know, just looking at their last five: 24, 49, 23, 34, 27. So definitely not scrubs on the offensive end. And and I'm with you. I think that over is looking pretty pretty good there. So let's, unless you've got any other games that you want to highlight from this particular window, let's get on to the game of, well, I won't necessarily say it's the game of the week because I'm not sure how good of a game it's necessarily going to be, but let's go ahead and talk about my number five Notre Dame fighting Irish going to Ohio State, number two, of course, in the country. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm nervous about this one because the more and more I look into it, the more I realize how good that Ohio State team is. And um, yeah, I, I think that they are a good team, a really, really good team and a potentially very scary team. I actually think that depending on how things go, they may end up being the national champions at the end of the year. And I don't think Notre Dame's at that level. But I look forward to you telling me that I'm absolutely crazy and that I should have so much more faith in Notre Dame. Boy, that look is uh, not giving me confidence. No, I can't, I can't help you out of this one, dude. Uh, I actually I have Ohio State probably walking away with this one pretty easily. Uh, I just think they're going to be firing all cylinders. They're returning so many starters on both sides of the ball which is such a luxury because, I mean, all those starters got a good spring camp in. They got a good fall camp in. They should be picking up almost mid-season form because they're not plugging and placing as many pieces, especially, again, when you start looking at the battery of everything, quarterback, offensive line, when you can return those kind of starters, especially when they're playing Heisman caliber football, makes it dangerous, downright dangerous. And Notre Dame, to me, they just have so many questions, new coach, new quarterback, so many unanswered things running back-wise. It's just too many questions for Notre Dame, too many things for them to try to figure out in week one, whereas Ohio State, I think, is technically coming into the season in, like, week six form. So that's the the big the big reason. But, I mean, it is – I could also then see where Notre Dame plays this, like, blue-collar football and finds a way to make Ohio State try to play that same style. And then that's a game where I think Notre Dame can cover and can stay within that, um, that go zone. Yeah, I – you know, the fact that Ohio State's returning their starting quarterback, their top rusher, their top receiver, it just, it feels like a lot for Notre Dame to overcome. And even though I am very high on this team for the season, I think that this is going to be a very tough game for them week one. I think the quarterback questions, the... You know, the fact that we're basically having a coach coach his, his first season opener. 
I just, I think it gets tough. I think it's, it's very difficult for them to overcome these things, similar to what we said with Cincinnati. It's just, it's a lot of turnover. It's a lot of question marks going into week one. It's a lot to overcome. And I, I do expect Notre Dame to be better this year than they were last year. Because when you look at the stats, Notre Dame had a an above average offense, but nothing spectacular. They had kind of same same situation with the defense. I think Marcus Freeman being there in his second year, I think this will be the third year under Tommy Reese. I think we do start seeing the the offense and the defense start taking strides, but I don't know that we see it quite yet with this game. And so I actually, as as much as I hate to say it, I've got Ohio State in this game. I just, I think it's it's unreasonable, just, just like letting your fandom get in the way of, um, you know, picking Oregon over, over Georgia. I just, I can't let my fandom uh, make me pick a team that I think is probably the second best team in the country, you know. Picking picking my favorite team over them, so I, I've got Ohio State, and uh, I'm going to assume that based on what you were saying, that you've got them as well. Yep, I got the Buckeyes. Yep, yep, I do too. And and you said that you actually like them to cover this one, correct? I I do. I mean, I see. You know, if you could sim out ten games, I see like a seventy percent where Ohio State probably covers it, and I think there's a thirty percent chance uh, and like Notre Dame can get them into a blue collar game and that's the thing I don't I think like Ohio State wants to play this almost like Pac-12 style football not necessarily a you know if you look back at the the Rose Bowl last year I think that's the Ohio State team we're gonna see we're gonna see flashy we're gonna see points we're gonna see running all over the place almost like Pac-12-esque a little bit better defense still not saying that they're gonna have to play any defense but that's the that's the style I think you're gonna see, and I can see Notre Dame getting into this ground and pound, slow the game, control the game, and you know if the quarterback has a bad day, something like that. I can see where Notre Dame can, I mean, cover and I, again I could see, I could see where they could stay within striking distance. Yeah, maybe maybe catch a uh, you know kind of a, a lucky break here or there, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think Ohio State's probably gonna win this one by. You know, maybe a couple touchdowns. I'm, you know, I can already hear the the haters saying, "Oh, Notre Dame can't win the big one," when when they uh, go into Ohio State. But I just, I don't think that that's what this game is. I I think that realistically, this game's just a let's sit back and enjoy college football game. Let's just pray it's not a uh, reminiscence of Bama versus Notre Dame. I I. Have they ever played? I don't think they ever have. I can't remember. A I time. mean, te- t- technically, I don't think they did. I don't think you can consider that a football game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about a team that Oregon forgot to show up against last year. Uh, Utah traveling to Florida, number seven Utah, going to the swamp. And uh, this is another game that I've heard some. I, I almost want to say lazy analysis on, and that it's going to be so difficult for Utah to go to the swamp and playing the heat and the humidity. And I just got to be honest, unless Florida is going to uh, flood the the swamp and make it the actual Everglades and put some real life gators in there. I just, 
I'm not really sure that that's a, um, a really good analysis. I, I think Utah is probably the better team here. That said, FPI has Florida as a 52.1% favorite. Utah is the um, three-point favorite by Vegas, over under a 51. You're the Pac-12 expert here, so I'm going to let you go ahead and, and give your thoughts first. I think this is the the clear and obvious way of looking at how the landscape views Pac-12 versus the SEC. Because, I mean, you're looking at Florida, who hasn't really been a powerhouse in the SEC and what, since Tim Tebow? I mean, it's been it's been some years since Florida's been a powerhouse in the SEC. And really, they've had some struggles over the last couple of years. Didn't last year, didn't they lose to, almost lose to an FCS team? Yeah, so last year, last year they finished 6-7. and seven. Their wins came uh, at home versus Florida State, versus Samford, which is the game that they let up 52 points against. Yeah, didn't uh, they almost lose that one? Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they won it seventy to fifty-two, but they gave up fifty-two points to a an FCS team. They won versus Vanderbilt, versus Tennessee, at Southern Florida, and versus Florida Atlantic. So, not necessarily a um, the most high quality wins there. You know, pretty much. I mean, losing in overtime twenty-four twenty-three to Missouri, losing at South Carolina by. I mean, 40 to 17, 34 to 7 versus Georgia, 49-42 at LSU, 20 to 13 at Kentucky, and 31-29 versus Alabama. I feel like they almost got more credit for their losses than they got for their wins last year. Yeah, and I just I don't I don't foresee this being an issue for Utah. I mean, I I think the Utah that showed up last year for the Rose Bowl just very similar to Ohio State. I think that same Utah is going to be showing up right now. I think they're they're ready to play. Cam Rising's coming back. He was sixth in QBR last season. 20 touchdowns, only five interceptions, so he can take care of the ball and he can sling it. I'm real high on Cam Rising. I really like Utah this year. I think they're going to play really well. And I think they're going to look at this and say, you guys are disrespecting us. Three-point favorite, betting-wise, technically under on the FBI. And it's like, all right, we'll see. We'll see. And we're going to put up two touchdowns and we'll, we'll beat them by 14. And quite frankly, I love the over on this one, 51 points. I mean, we talked about in the, the Rose bowl, they put up 45 in a losing effort. So, and, and cam rising to me is the big key in this one. He comes out and shows up kind of like we talked about to start off the show he comes out like Aiden O'Connell and just absolutely puts on a show. That 51 is going to be absolute money. Uh, so I'm I'm with you. I think Utah is... I, I just... I, I don't get love for Florida. I think they're maybe an above-average team with a lot of history. But to, to sit there and call them uh, you know, only a three-point dog against what I think is probably one of the better teams in the country is just maybe home field is worth that much, but I'd have a, a lot, I'd feel a lot better saying that was the case if it was number seven Utah versus number 17 Florida, or even number 27 Florida, as opposed to Florida that went six and seven last year with what, two power five wins, three power five wins. I mean, come on, just, just stop. Yeah, th this game will expose the bias. 
this this game should expose the bias. If Utah comes out and they take care of business and it's a two possession game, I think we can actually start looking in the mirror at some of the bias here and we can we can stop it. I mean, Utah is a contender. Now, bottom feeders in all conferences, then yes, we can start looking at this conference is stronger than the other conference. But man, these top teams, these national contenders, we can't do it anymore. We can't look at the bias anymore. I mean, the Pac-12, the top couple teams there can go play with anybody. Yep, that's that's kind of exactly where I am. So I've got Utah. It sounds like you've got Utah. Uh, is that is that a pretty fair read on this situation? Yep, let's go Utes. Yeah, so do you want to talk any more games in this primetime window, or do you want to get into kind of the, the after dark, the, off, the also ran, you know, all those good games that we might, not be able to see because we here on the East Coast will be falling asleep. Uh, there's one other game in the the primetime window. Uh, I got Army and Coastal Carolina. Okay, okay. Go ahead and tell me about that game. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. Grayson McCall uh, chose not to transfer out, even though there was a lot of hype around him, and he could have transferred out, went to a bigger school, chose the ride with the Chanticleers. So he's coming back out. Um, he threw for almost 3,000 yards last year, 27 touchdowns, only three interceptions. So very impressive QB campaign. Army is going to be you know, a little bit more mid-major for them than what they're used to playing in their conference. So I think getting to play a little bit of a higher-level team will be good. And this is where I think Army is considered the dog for betting, but I actually think you can double check it real quick. But I think FPI has Army winning it. So yes, I think this is another one of those games where it's like a coin toss. Some people are saying it's this way, some people are saying it's that way, which normally means it's going to be good football. So that's what I'm excited for. Uh, ultimately, I'm not so sure that they're going to be right because I think Coastal is probably going to put up some points. Um, so I actually I have Coastal winning that game, and hopefully Grayson McCall just comes out and murders. <laughs> I, lo- I love that kid. I, well, I, I, I love the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. I, I just, that name is just awesome. But you also have to remember, Army was the second best rushing attack in the country last year. So I think we're going to see a little bit of a clash of styles, and it might be, uh, again, circling back to that very first Purdue-Penn State game that we talked about, seeing kind of that that clash of styles, seeing, you know, who can really impose their will on the other team. I'm with you, though. I, I, I think I like Coastal Carolina in this game. Wouldn't be surprised if Army won. So uh, in the in the interest of diversifying our picks a little bit, making a little bit better, uh, you know, dialogue. I'll go ahead and go with Army, and we'll see where we end up here. I think that brings us through the primetime window. So so I'll let you go ahead and and tell me, because you, I think you usually stay up a little bit more for these matchups than I do. Where are you looking at once the primetime window is over? Yeah, so uh, the one intriguing, I shouldn't say one, the most intriguing after dark window game that I got is uh, Boise versus Oregon State. Okay. Okay, I, I definitely saw that one too and thought that one sounded pretty interesting. Tell me why you've circled that one though. Uh, again, I think they're very evenly matched teams, which normally leads to better football. So I'm excited for that. You have Chance Nolan, who's coming back for Oregon State. And you also have Hank Backmeyer, who's returning for Boise State. 
The age difference, I think, is going to be a little bit different, though. You have Chance Nolan is getting ready to start his junior season. Hank's coming back for his sophomore year after starting as a true freshman. So I think the experience of Chance Nolan might give them a little bit of an edge. And I also really like Oregon State being at home, too. I think that's also going to help. I think if it was on the blue, if it was on the blue turf, I'd be thinking a little bit more Boise State. But the fact that it's at Oregon State... I think Chance Nolan's going to grow a little bit more. I think he's going to be even better than he was last year. He showed flashes last year, but I think he's going to be more consistent this year. So I think that and home field advantage, I'm going to go Oregon State. Yeah, FPI has this one as a coin flip, and Vegas has it as a three-point game. I'm with you. I like the home field advantage. If it was on the blue, I'd go Boise. It's not. I'm going Oregon State just because I, I just – that's where my gut's leaning on this one. So I'm going to go Oregon State 2 on this one with you. So so where else are we going after dark? I got uh, Louisville and Syracuse okay. is another after dark game. Okay. Little, and, uh, little uh, East Coast action. Some late East Coast action, though. That'll That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so Louisville is returning their quarterback and four on the offensive line. I think that votes really well for them. Again, this is kind of that coin flip game as well um, within a field goal. And I think FBI also had it flipped as well. So I think this is going to be a good uh, a good game. Should be good football. Syracuse will be interesting too because they like to run the ball. They have uh, a quarterback that they like to run with around 780 yards last season. Then they also had a, a tailback who was close to 1,500 yards. So they're going to want to run the ball all over the place. Louisville, I think, is going to be a little bit more balanced. They like to run and pass. Real, a little bit running back by committee, and then a quarterback who can uh, kind of sling the ball around too. So I think the balance attack is what's really going to win. The interesting thing to me is they played each other last year, and it was 41-3 to Louisville. I'm not really figuring out how all of a sudden it's a four-point game, but I think this is, it makes it a little bit easier for me to take Louisville, and I'll probably lay the points as well. I don't know if one year is going to be that much for Syracuse to – flip the script that they're gonna all of a sudden magically compete with this louisville team everything that you just said i could just say ditto on i'm not gonna waste our time sitting here and grandstanding on it so i'm with you i've got louisville and probably taking the points too because i i'm with you i see 41 to 3 and i'm not sure how it's four and a half points so that uh pretty much wraps up all the games that i have on Saturday, I think there's one last game that we wanted to just mention on Sunday, and that's that FSU versus LSU game. Uh, obviously in Death... No, not in Death Valley. That's actually in the Superdome in New Orleans. I'm not really sure what to make of this one, because FPI has LSU as a relatively heavy favorite, 72.5, but Vegas has LSU as a only three-point favorite. I'm... Not really sure that LSU is anything better than an, an above-average team. Uh, similar to what I said about Florida, and just that I, I don't know how much love they're actually getting because they're an SEC team, and they occasionally played some teams tougher than they should have versus where they actually are. So I look forward to you telling me that LSU is actually a lot better and that Brian Kelly is going to bring them a national championship just like Ed Orgeron did. No, I mean, you, you had me at the start. I do think LSU is hand over foot better than FSU. Uh, you look at Florida State last year, I'm pretty sure they ended up playing three or four different quarterbacks and didn't really find anything out with any of them. And I think two of them transferred out. So 
I don't know. I'm not not real high on Florida State. I think it's going to be a crapshoot for them on the offensive side of the ball. Whereas LSU brings in Jaden Daniels from ASU, who's starting his fourth season of college football. You can only get better. I mean, most of these kids just excel. And I've always been high on Jaden Daniels. He played really well at Arizona State when he was with Herm Edwards, slinging the rock all over the place. I think he put on a little bit of weight, too, in the offseason, which has always kind of been his bugaboo. He's like a stick-and-bone guy, so he couldn't really run the ball very well. Made him one-dimensional. So I think adding on some weight and then getting into that LSU SEC-style offense where he can lean on the run game and then also throw the ball off a play action will be really good. Yeah, I... I, I I don't know how much improved they're going to be. I, I agree. I think they are probably going to be better than they were last year. Again, six and seven, only three power five wins. So to me, that, you know, that that's a little bit of a red flag. I don't know that they're necessarily, that they should be as heavily favored as they're suggested to being, especially with a new coach and, a new coach who was not able to bring in necessarily the coordinators that he wanted to bring in as uh, both Reese and Freeman ended up staying at Notre Dame, obviously uh, Reese playing quarterback there and Freeman taking over as the head coach. That said, Florida state just, I, I just don't see that's, that's what you have to ask yourself. That's what you have to ask yourself. This isn't about LSU being that good. Yeah. I think it's about Florida State being that bad. Yeah, I, I just, that's wh- I that's why I confidence. would I would go more with ESPN's FBI than I would go with the the Vegas here, even though Vegas seems to magically always know more than anybody and everybody else. It just Florida State makes me so nervous, and that's what I'm asking myself when I was doing this. It's like, man, do I think LSU is that great? No. Do I think Jaden Daniels is a dog? Yes, I do think that. And then it's like, how bad is Florida State? I think Florida State's bad, bad. So yeah, I, I will I definitely. Think, I think that's tough. I, I don't know that Florida State's really that good. I mean, obviously the big win against Duquesne last week. So I, I'm with you. I, I think LSU probably wins this one, which just eats me up to say, because I just, I don't want them to win this game at all. So I'll, uh, Quit thinking with your heart, dude. You got you got to take your bias out of this stuff. I know, I know, I know. Well, it, it's also just again, it goes back to what I said about people. You know, I, I can hear the people saying, "Oh, Notre Dame can't can never win the big one." Well, I can see this one being a two, maybe above average, maybe average teams facing off against each other. And if LSU wins this one by fourteen, it's oh look at how good the SEC is and. I just, that narrative just eats me up. That said, I do think I have LSU in this one. As much as I hate to say that, is that where you're going to, I assume then? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking LSU. Yeah. I, I'll probably, I'll probably lay the points too. Yeah. Three is, is one where it's just, it's almost like, yeah, you might as well take the points on it, but I guess, I guess we'll see. Um, I probably won't bother with that, but so I think that pretty well wraps it up. Are there any other games that you wanted to highlight from this week or for this really first proper week of college football? Uh, the only other thing I'll add in there is, uh, you know, if you, if you live in, I think 
Central Time, you you you'll get your dream of Sunday college football as well, as Hawaii <laughs> kicks off at twelve thirty. <laughs> so yeah. if you want to watch uh, the Rainbow Warriors take on the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky, you can uh, stay up late for that uh, twelve thirty kickoff. So it's even going to be a I don't even know what do we call that. It's not even after dark. It's like after dark after dark. So yeah, that's there's a, that. That's a weird game. Um especially for Western Kentucky, who those Hilltopper fans are going to have to stay up awfully late, or maybe they'll just have to get up early. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a, can, can you have eggs and kegs if you never go to sleep? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I think eggs and kegs are always good, but I mean, the let's focus on the bright side. We have college football all day Saturday. Week one is here. And that's why we love this. This great, great sport. This has been one jock. And one nerd college football talk. Make sure that you check us out on Twitter at one nerd one jock CFB. And have a great week, everyone. Mm-hmm.